I'm always honored when Alicia asks me to be with you. It's always such a delight. And on this occasion, she said, you are going through a series, I think this is the last of three, in which we're looking at feminine images of God. So not only was I delighted, but I was terrified. Um, not being a woman, how on earth am I going to speak of such things? I want to start by saying that when we think about God, and when we imagine God, we imagine God with a human imagination. I can't imagine God with a God imagination. I'm not God. But I have to imagine God with a human imagination. And being a man, my most obvious imagination of God is that God is male, is a man. But of course, when you think about it, it's ridiculous. Um, if, if God really was male, then you'd have to have a female God. There'd have to be a Mr. God and a Mrs. God, and they would have, have to have children gods. It, it gets very silly. And the silliness of it is reminding us that we can only think of God sort of in human terms, but we always remember God is not a human being. And God is beyond things like being male or female. Now, one of the things that the scripture says actually in several places is that God made people in God's own image. And then right away says, male and female, he made them. So if God made people in God's own image and made them male and female, that means male is an image of God and female is also an image of God. And it's a reminder to us that we shouldn't just take the image that we're used to, but if God made women in God's own image, then there's something about women that reveals to us something about God. I want to share two quick little stories in which that happened to me recently. I was sitting in my car somewhere, I don't know, and down the sidewalk came a young family. I suppose the mother and father may be in their mid-twenties, maybe a little bit older, and everything was reversed from what I was used to. So the baby was not being carried by the mother, the baby was being carried by the father. And the father had the baby in, I don't know what they're called, sort of a baby sack. I'd call it a baby sack, but I'm sure there's a nice word for it. Strapped on the front of the young man. And the little baby was right up against him and the strap was there. And he was carrying the baby. And his wife was walking along beside him, not carrying anything. And I thought, that's the exact opposite of the way it used to be. It used to be the man was walking along and the woman had the baby um, in her arms or strapped on somehow. But this young man had the baby strapped to him. And it seemed absolutely wonderful, wonderful that a young man now can feel completely content and at home with the baby being carried next to his chest in public. It was a lovely thing to see, and it made me feel 
we've come into, into a new depth of understanding how men are. That a man could do what only women used to do and feel absolutely comfortable about it was wonderful. First story. Second story, I was at, from time to time, I go to the mission, in, to the abbey in mission. I don't know if you've been there, well worth going to. It's a large, the, the abbey itself, large church, um, Roman Catholic order of monks, and um, you can stay a couple of nights, and I've done that a number of times. And because I'm a member of the clergy, I'm always invited to eat with the monks in their refectory. So it's a, I think originally it was a church before the before the uh, abbey was built. It's quite large, and they sit in tables down either side of this quite large room and a table at the front, and I'm invited to sit with them for, for my meals. And the meals are in silence. Um, one of the monks reads a book, uh, like a chapter every meal, but the meals are in silence. So nobody's talking, um, and uh, each time I go, there's a different set of monks who bring all the food to you, but you don't say thank you, don't say anything. It's, it's, a, it's a meditative meal. And for the first time that I've been there, there were a couple of nuns uh, staying also for quiet few days. I never met them or spoke to them, but I saw them in the hallways. And one day I realized the three nuns are eating by themselves in the public dining room where most people eat. And it suddenly occurred to me, why don't we have the nuns eat with the monks? They could sit at a separate table if need be, but we could all be in the same room eating together. But no, the ancient tradition is that the men and the women eat separately and the sisters eat in their dining room and the monks eat in theirs. But I was thinking, I wonder if that might ever change and how wonderful it would be that the whole human race is eating together in one room. And part of me was saying that would make it wonderfully complete. We, we'd never talk to each other because there's complete silence. The monks don't talk to each other. It's not about socializing with the, with the sisters. It would be just a symbol of everything being completed. Now, nobody's perfect, and I'm not wanting to tell that community how they should live. Not at all. That's their right to do it that way. I don't think the sisters would be comfortable. But one day, it might be possible. And so there's a kind of a renewed understanding growing among us that men and women equally reflect God's reality. So as we think about how we think about God in church, let me suggest three experiences, only two of which I've had or can have, but that women particularly have as women. There's the experience first of bearing a child inside you. I cannot begin to imagine what that must be like to have a child growing inside you. It, 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 it is extraordinary. It's beyond my imagination, but um, it is quite a wonderful reality. I know from being a father that it is 
not always easy and wonderful all the time for the mother. It can be difficult. You can feel sick. All kinds of things make it complicated. But nevertheless, to have a child living inside you whom you have never seen and one day you will bear, that is quite something. And maybe there's something about that that tells us something about God. And then the second Second and third things, uh, only one of which I can experience. Second thing is suckling the baby. When the baby is born, again, I cannot imagine what that is like for a baby to be fed from my own body. Quite extraordinary for a man to think about that. What What must that be like? And again, being a father and married to a lady who bore both our children. I know those things aren't necessarily wonderful and easy. They can be very difficult. But the fact that it even can be is quite extraordinary. And then the third thing is bearing the child, suckling the child, and then there's nurturing the child. Traditionally, more something women did than men, but increasingly something men do. And that's about hugging the child and holding the child. The child falls and hurts themselves. You pick the child up and you hug the child and you pat the child and you hold the child close to you until it stops crying. Something I can do and have done many times. But it's in the past been particularly understood to be women who do that. So now, if God made women in God's own image, what is that saying to us about God? I went through the communion service, and in the traditional English language, I'm fascinated. It says over and over again, Almighty Father, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, our Father who art in heaven, over and over again, nothing wrong with it, the images we use in worship are about masculine images. There are queens. The longest regent in British history has recently died, Queen Elizabeth, but the vast majority are kings. Almighty God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty. And those images of women are challenging us not to give up the male images of God, but to have equal female images of God. So think of God as bearing us in God's body. God bearing us. And in the Hebrew scriptures, as you saw in the psalm this morning, very often the ancient Jews used images of female anatomy to think about God. Sometimes in the traditional translation, um, um, you feel something in your bowels, but they didn't want to say your womb, but womb is what the Hebrew says, not bowels. But they were squeamish about those things, and so the early translations didn't say womb, but it means womb. How does God bear us in God's womb? Well, you might think 
that the, what is it, 14 billion years that the universe has been here? Maybe those were 14 billion years in which we were in God's womb before we were birthed. Humanity has only just been birthed a very short time ago. And God was bearing us in God's womb all that time, our mother, our mother bearing us. Or we might think that in various stages of life, God is bearing us in God's body, about to birth us into a new stage of life. And you might even think perhaps that towards the end of our life, as we come to our last breath, it may be that God has been burying us in God's body for 90 years, about to birth us into eternity. Now, if that's what God has been doing, how does it change one's sense of relationship to God to know that? If God's been bearing us all that time, well, for me, there's a kind of awe about it, as there is about a woman who's pregnant. How do you have a different person inside you? It's extraordinary. There's kind of an awe, and you just look and you think, that's unbelievable. And that sense of awe and closeness and mystery may be something we need to experience about God, a kind of warmth and a kind of intimacy that can never go away. And then we might think about God suckling us. When we were born as a little baby, you really know nothing about the world. You have an instinct to find your mother's breast and to start to suck. That's about all you have. And imagine that that's what God is doing. But the sucking is not just the physical sucking of the mother. The sucking is, it's also an instinct, is to suck in the air. The very first thing the child does is to cry and suck in the air. And what if that is God feeding us out of God's own body so that we will have what we need to live? And every time we eat, when we have lunch today, when the next time we eat, perhaps that is God feeding us with God's own body. Out of God, the food comes to give us everything we need. It's quite remarkable. It's as if God were there all the time, just feeding us from God's self. There's a not famous but well-known lady who was at, in Vancouver, at the Vancouver School of Theology, wrote a number of books about theology, and one of her books is called The Body of God. And she wonders whether maybe the planet is God's body. It's a wonderful image. It makes you think very differently about the planet and what's going on in nature. But if the planet is God's body, then almost literally God is suckling us from God's body. And we think, 
Every day, all night long when I was asleep, I was suckling air from God. And you wake up in the morning and you think, that's amazing. All night long, God was feeding me with air. And then the third one. The third one is the image of the woman comforting the child. You don't have to just comfort a child. You play with the child. You tickle the child. You do funny things with the child. You make the child constantly happy. And is that not also something that God is doing for us? So this morning, I saw out of my window, out of my window, we live in a condo a couple of stories up, and people walk dogs. And there are always dogs being walked. And the dogs are hilarious. This morning there was a lady, she had two dogs, a, a middle-sized white dog, fluffy white dog, and a tiny little fluffy white dog. Big dogs, two or three times the size of the little dog. But the little dog is walking faster than the big dog because its legs are like a blur. It's going brrrr. And the big dog is walking like this. But the little dog is ahead of the big dog all the time. And it struck me as just hilarious because they look the same. They're two white fluffy dogs. And God, when I think about it, was playing games with me so that like a little kid, I would giggle. God woke me this morning with laughter. I remember waking our kids and making funny faces at them when they were little, and they're delighted. And so God delights me. And God delights me with friends. Friends who care, friends who listen, friends with whom I have fun, and that's God nurturing me. And God blesses all of us with people around us who embrace us, but you realize simultaneously, you don't have to think about it at the time, but when you think later, you realize, I was being embraced by God the way a little child is embraced by its mother. All that is not to say that the feminine images obviously are better than the masculine images or the masculine images are better than the feminine images. But it is an ancient knowledge that we're starting to regain in our time, that we need both sets of images to deeply appreciate God's love for us. So in a moment, when we have the Eucharist, you might use that as an opportunity to practice those senses and feelings about God. So, as, as we come up the aisle to the altar rails, you might think for a moment that that's God birthing you through the birth canal, coming into full life in Christ. God birthing us as we come up the aisle. And then you might think that as the bread and the chalice touch you, that that is God's caring for you and playing with you. And as you take the bread and the wine into your mouth, of course, that is God suckling you. It doesn't mean we become babies again. It means it's an adult kind of suckling. 
And then you think, what does that mean? If that's what's going on, what does that mean? The coming up the aisle being coming to birth. The coming up the aisle means God keeps birthing me all life long. And what a wonderful hope and expectation that is. And God keeps nurturing me by touch. By touch. It might be the touch of the eyes. It might be the touch of a sunset. But in all kinds of ways, God continues to nurture me. And I realize God really cares. And then God suckles me physically with the bread and wine. And I'm thinking, God does that over and over and over again. And what you find in yourself is a kind of renewed warmth and delight in the presence of God. And that is so helpful for us on our spiritual journey, which is about knowing God more and more deeply. And what a gift it is to experience God, as it were, in the images of women birthing and suckling and giving care. And that's what God does for us every day of our life, and for all eternity. And what could be more wonderful?